Greetings, I'm Steve Bancor. This is the FCCMA podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. As you know, by now, if you're listening, I'm your host. Each episode, we interview a city or county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into local government right here in the Sunshine State. This is a special episode, and let me tell you why this is a special episode. We talk a lot about what it takes to be a city manager, um, the desire to serve the public, the desire to serve the public and not get any reward. Uh, that, that, that ribbon cutting goes to the mayor or some other elected the desire to do good, the diversity of work, the diversity of experiences. But one of the things we really haven't touched on is there are enormous, enormous challenges to being an effective city manager, uh, whether it's managing your council uh, when, they're, uh, when they're at each other's throats, whether it's managing the public and working to make sure they're as happy as can be. That doesn't get into the technical aspects of it. Well, the Florida City and County Management Association, as many things, has thought this through. And we've talked at length. We've had several guests on who are knowledgeable about the MIT program, Managers in Transition. But there's another program out there called the Senior Advisors Program. So if you're there, you're pulling your hair out, you don't know what to do, you've got a problem, you've got an issue, and you really just want to bounce it off somebody. Our guest today is Ken Parker. He's one of our senior advisors, and he serves in that role. He was almost three decades on the job, ended up in uh, Port Orange, uh, has been retired for eight years, but his commitment to public service still goes on as evidenced by the fact that Ken Parker is still intimately involved with the FCC. Ken, thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Steve, thank you for having me on the podcast today. It's, it's my privilege to be here. Well, uh, first of all, first things first, we have a friend in common, a long, also long-serving city manager, Joe Yarborough, uh, who had the distinction of being <laughs> the first uh, uh, leader of the Volusia County Managers Association who lasted more than a year. That's correct. Uh, uh, when um, Joe came to Volusia County, um, we elected him as our president because everyone else who had served as president of the Volusia Association had been fired during the year that they were president. So none of the active managers in Volusia County wanted to take on that responsibility. So we let Joe have it for his entire tenure that he was in South Daytona. You know, it reminds me of there's a bike trail up in Ocala called Santos, and it is notorious for the spider webs. So in the morning, there's spider webs all over the trails. They're very narrow trails. And so it's a joke to say to the new guy, hey, you go, you can go first. <laughs> you get all the spider. So so here comes Joe down from Tennessee. And uh, and anybody who's ever met Joe, you can tell in two seconds he's from Tennessee, by the way. And Joe, why don't you take us leadership position? He's like, wow, honey, guess what happened to me today? Isn't this awesome? And but little guys, did you guys know that uh, several decades went by and Joe still held on to the position? Yeah. And Joe did a great job of, of herding cats. And, Absolutely. And uh, and I think that uh, that's one of the traits that Joe brings to brought to the profession, not just with um, his fellow city managers, but within issues within his community and also uh, when he became president of the state association, he was an excellent president. Uh, 
Matter of fact, he is the one that really promoted professional development and the credential programs within the state of Florida. Uh, yeah, no, his, his legacy is 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 a very long tail. This is why I wanted to bring him up. And uh, but like you, he attempted to retire, but the world just wouldn't let him. That's correct. So tell me, tell us a little bit about, you know, it's funny, I've been around the League of Cities FCCMA for well over a decade. I did not know this program existed. That's why I'm really happy to do this, this episode today. What is the Senior Managers Program? Well, the Senior Advisor Program is a, an effort uh, between the Florida City County Management Association and the International City County Management Association. All of us that are senior advisors are appointed by both the board of the FCCMA and also the executive director of ICMA. Um, We're all volunteers. Uh, We're not compensated. We're not consultants. Uh, And we we like to say we're your colleagues. We come alongside of you and we're there to help you um, uh, to do your job, to do it better. And to, if you need our advice, we're there to help you. One of our primary focused areas though, is over in the members in transition. So when we learn of a member in transition, um, uh, we make uh, personal telephone calls to that individual, finding out what we can do to help that You don't wait for them to reach out to you, you reach out to them? Okay, uh, either by email or telephone or whatever. And uh, we, we try to, you know, be an encourager. And that's one of the things that we do. Plus, when we hear of positions that are open, we let them know, hey, there's a job opening down in whatever city or whatever county, um, thought you might be interested in that. Or a consultancy. I know several members have gotten into uh, in the, tra- mm-hmm. the transition being consulting. And what's important That's about correct. that to me as, so, as a non-city manager, but an observer and an admirer is Many times city managers, uh, number twos, number threes in the office, get removed from office through absolutely no fault of their own. Uh, Either they stood their ground on an important public policy issue that prior commission had held, or for whatever reason, a new mayor comes in, they want their own person. And I love the fact that the league and FCCMA works together to help ensure that these quality people, they don't leave the profession because the getting in is hard the dedication, the personality, the diverse, being able to handle a wide diversity of experiences every single day is is rare and relatively unique. And so you guys doing this is is kind of a neat thing and, and good for the profession overall. And sometimes, Steve, uh, you know, uh, active members are busy in their day-to-day activities. You know, and we all meant, well, we we're going to pick up that phone and call that person that it was our friend that... Um, that had a bad city council meeting the night before and they um, were dismissed. Uh, It's not that we didn't mean to do it. It was just we got caught up in our day-to-day things. Senior advisors, because we're retired, um, we're a little more free with being able to do that and stay in touch with the member. And I've heard from a number of members uh, that have been in transition. That is so important that someone from the profession call them write them, send them an email, encourage them. Um, It's almost sometimes they think, uh, some of the members in transition think, does anybody remember me? And we don't want that. You know, it's sort of like uh, the military. We don't want to leave anybody behind. We want to be 
their encourager and we're there to help them uh, as they transition from their oh, from their former job during a period that uh, uh, that they need to talk to someone or have their resumes reviewed or any of those types of things, we're able to do that. And, and, and about how many senior advisors are there? Do you know? Okay, in the state of Florida right now, there are eight. Now, uh, we have been authorized up to as many as 10. So right now we're down two, but there are eight. And let me give you an example of what type of experiences and who some of our, who our senior advisors are. Okay, let's start down in our Southern area of the, of the state. We have Dan Clayman. Now, Dan was a former city manager up in Tallahassee. He was a county manager over in Hillsborough County. Mm -hmm. He worked as a, an administrator up in Jacksonville. Uh, so, you know, he brings a lot of experience. He's a former president of FCCMA, but he served on the ICMA executive board and he was president of ICMA. So Dan is a wealth of knowledge. No, you know, and he's worked, as you said, the capital, county, city, big, small, uh, every geography in the state. We have a, a plaza here, a beautiful downtown plaza named after Dan. Yep. And Kurt Bresner is another one of our advisors. And Kurt uh, uh, you know, served in cities, um, in not only just in the state of Florida, but in other areas. But Kurt actually uh, wrote most of the manuals that are used nationwide by the Senior Advisor Program. So, and he just has a passion uh, for helping people. Uh, especially members in transition. And he does a daily uh, job listing for our members in transition, making sure they understand their positions out there. Pam Brancaccio is another one. She lives over in the Pinellas County area. Uh, Pam is a former president of FCCMA, very active, and also loves to mentor uh, new managers and uh in providing encouraging advice. Jim Hansen up in Jacksonville. Jim is a former president of FCCMA. And Jim uh, has a passion of helping small cities find new managers. And he That's got to be a job. real challenge. I mean, and he does. And we have George Flores. He's a retired manager and who splitting his time right now between Jacksonville Beach and Winter Park, Florida. But uh, so, but George is great in helping cities uh, do goal setting and some things of that sort, but he also is very good at encouraging both our MITs and our current managers and his wealth of knowledge. Buzz Eddie over in the Panhandle, he's out of uh, Gulf Breeze, um, and he, he's got the, the longest area to travel within our state because he's got mm -hmm. the complete Panhandle, but uh, brings a wealth of knowledge, you know, uh, to helping managers out there uh, through whether it be uh, in especially small cities, and he loves to help uh, help those communities. And in so, my case, uh, you know, I'm the final city one, and I've served on the I ICMA executive board, and I've served on the FCCAMA uh, executive board on two occasions, and uh, and and I. You know, I I just enjoy uh, working with uh, current managers. I enjoy working with our MITs and a variety of things. Let's focus on the MITs for a second, because what's important to those managers who are listening and, and may have friends who are in need, uh, they're in transition themselves. 
Um, this is a group that is not, I think it's two important lessons there. One, the geographic diversity throughout the state of Florida. So if you're looking at a job up in Okaloosa, you're looking at a job in St. John's County, you're looking at for a job in Okeechobee or, or Pinellas, somebody, one of the senior advisors will know who to turn to and where to go. I think the second part, so it's not just the geographic diversity, and, and let me add to that, not just the geographic diversity, but the different types of cities, cities and counties, but also this isn't a group of folks sitting on the on the front porch drinking their tea in the morning. This is a folk, group of folks who are actively engaged. So they're going to know which openings are up, which openings are coming up, who's looking for work. So they're an active group, not just out there to give you some sage advice from years gone by, but these are people who are leaning forward today in the business now that if you need counsel, you need help, you need networking, you need experience, and you need somebody who's directly relevant, the the senior advisors program is where you turn. Is that a fair way to categorize this? That's a fair way to categorize it. And each of us um, maintain our, you know, we keep up to date on what's going on in the profession and because our profession is never changing a profession. So you're right. No, we're not, we're not living in the past because we keep our skills up to date. Now let's talk about for those managers who are currently, you know, I get hired by a city of 4,500 people. I've, I went from a city of 75,000 people where I had quite the staff. Now suddenly I've transitioned out uh, is the senior advisors group a good group to call and say, tell me, help me out here. What, what's, what do I got to, how do I have to be different in a small town versus a big town or vice versa? Do you guys offer that kind of advice for managers as well? Absolutely. Um, I'll give you an example. Please. Uh, okay. Uh, I went from this on staff at the city of Dallas, Texas to a community of 8,700. So, um, <laughs> so in Dallas, you went no, from I having had, a staff of eighty seven hundred to having a community. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so I've been there, and uh, a number of our uh, managers have been, uh, of our senior advisors have been there. We, in many cases, we were the first city managers, and that, you know, and so uh, we can help you say. Uh, maybe provide some advices on how to avoid certain pitfalls uh, when you go from that very large city to a very small city or vice versa as you go from a small city to a larger city because there are some differences that you're going to find there also. Um, and that's one of the areas that we do, uh, that senior advisors do work in is uh, we call it, uh, uh, just it says career and employment counseling for FCCMA and ICMA members. Well, let me, so, let me, let me play one on you. Okay. Ken Parker, this is Steve Van Core. You know, for years I was the assistant city manager of the city of Jacksonville, Florida. I've now landed my new job in Pahokee, which has a population of 3,500. Uh, suddenly I went from having a staff that I can direct and manage to do everything. Uh, but now I find myself outside having to direct traffic. Give me some counsel. What do I need to know about being a good city manager in a small town? What do you tell me? First thing I would tell you is uh, relations, is that get to know your staff because you're going to most likely in a very small community, you will get to know every one of the individuals who work for the city personally and intimately. Get to know them. Uh, get to know your city council. 
Uh, and um, hopefully you will have someone inside your city hall that will say to you, don't forget that this individual is related to this individual to is related to this one. Because in small cities, uh, that's exactly what you will find is that people, you know, it's relational. Um, and then, you know, asking the questions about uh, what are the needs in the community? Um, trying to, you know, have that, uh, those meetings with the city council and so that you're helping, you know, understand what they, what they as a council would like to do. Uh, matter of fact, uh, last week we met with a, a, a small city. The manager is uh, a community of 1,500. And we had a discussion with him about goal setting. We had a discussion with him about uh, how to update his comprehensive plan and those types of items. And we were able to provide some, maybe some direction to help him. And matter of fact, in November, we're going back into that city and we're going to help them with his council with goal setting. So you're so, providing actual outside expertise where they may not have it within the city. That's correct. Sounds, I mean, it sounds like you guys are keeping busy with that. We can. Uh, yeah. um, and again, you know, one of the, when a city calls us, uh, I, I happen to coordinate the senior advisors uh, these next two years. And my job is uh, a city will call uh, maybe the league and the league will refer them over to me. And we have to find to see if there's a senior advisor that is available to help them. You know, for example, if you want to do a strategic plan, do we have a do we have a senior advisor that is available to help uh, do help your city do a strategic plan? Uh, if you wanted us to do a city council orientation, that's the other thing that we can do is that uh, making sure that um, you know if I got an advisor that can come in and do an an orientation for your new city council. And even uh, if it's, I'm, I'm trusting, even if it's not somebody who's a formal, one of the eight, you you have references, you know, call, oh, we'll just use them again. Joe Yarbrough, he's done several strategic plans. Let me hook you guys up because he's really good at that. And he, he may have some right. time. Yeah. On his hands. And, yeah, we have also, you know, a larger network. Uh, when we get the call and it doesn't necessarily have to be one of us, our eight, right. but it may be someone else that, hey, I know that this individual uh, is available and does this type of work. Have you considered calling them? And, uh, and so uh, those are types of things that we do. Uh, well, let me, I want to reverse my question just for fun. I just went from micro city a, which, you know, we know 411 municipalities in the state of Florida. Most of them are small, but I got, and I just got hired by um, Broward County, which is massive. Uh, what advice do you give somebody from going from a small town to a large municipality? Well, or a large fortunately, okay. Fortunately, we we have managers that we could put you in contact with, and that's we're a resource person that can help coordinate and put you in contact with someone that you could um, call, or they could call you and provide you with. Uh, you know, some sage advice or answer some questions or put you in contact with somebody who could. Uh, you know, like I said, Dan 
claim it just happens to be right now, you know, has been in those very large uh, groupings. Pam Bancaccio has been in those very large organizations. And so, and then you have people like me who've been in very small organizations. And so we have people that can, that, that have experienced, but we also know people that we could call and then put you in contact with. You know, one of our managers the other day said the difference between being a, a city manager of a small city and a large city is in a small city, you touch all the problems, all mm-hmm. the problems and all the good things you you get to touch. You get to be at every single ribbon cutting. You get to be uh, at every event, both good and bad. A spillage, you're there. Um, a road opening, you're there. Uh, you're touching everything. When you work in a big city, you don't touch anything except the people who touch those things. So your division director, your manager, your, you know, somebody is overseeing that. You're the intermediary between the council or, or, uh, or the, the, the city, the city electeds and what's happening on the street. And, and I, I hear this a little bit in your voice, the yearning to be engaged more. It sounds like it could be a little, even though the diversity of your job is so much greater when you're in a small town, because you have to handle everything with very few staff, uh, that joy of actually really getting your fingernails dirty in a, in a small city seems to be where your heart is. Well, you know, what was interesting is that, uh, you know, even though when I, at, toward the end of my career, I would, our city had moved into, you know, the 60 to 70,000 range. And so I, I experienced some of what you're talking about, even though it's not a huge city. But what I tried to do is I tried to drive out every day to look at something that our crews had done that day. And so that I kind of stayed in touch with what was going on out there in the field. You actually had to feel it. Tell me a little bit about, so a lot of times, you know, we, we, we all see us as one big happy family, but we know in reality, when you get close, it's probably not. Do you ever have to, do you ever get brought in to resolve issues between two cities, two city managers? You find out, you know, uh, city manager A is at the throat of city manager B. Do you ever have to go in and mediate and help those folks work work things out? We have, in, you know, but that's not one of our formal programs or formal activities. It's more of an informal type of thing. Uh, for example, uh, just recently, uh, there was uh, one of our advisors uh, became involved in trying to uh, mediate between two factions on a city council after they had fired their city manager. And so I uh, worked with them through some problem solving and trying to get them to, you know, come back to work together. Uh, so uh, the answer to your question is, uh, it's more of an informal between two managers, you know, that we know or something like that. Uh, but we have uh, on, on occasion, you know, been asked, to, can we come in and help resolve some issues. Let me ask you, during your long tenure, were there things that you did while you were a city manager that today you look back and wish you could have undid that we could learn from your experience? <laughs> I think there are always those. You're like, and, see, we only have an hour. <laughs> okay, well, let me, uh, okay, you know, uh, you look back and a lot of it is more of intergovernment. Okay, the things that I would like to have done differently was probably in my intergovernmental side of the house, you know, relationships between the city and the county, mm-hmm. uh, where I want, you know, 
in one of the cases was, you know, the county manager and I kind of got into a shouting match and I wished I could have taken that back and I wish I'd handled it more professionally. Some things like that. Well, you know, sometimes passions do run high, but you're right. It's the Thomas Jefferson count to 10 before you speak um, can be done. Uh, did that have any negative consequences for you in getting into that altercation? It was just one of those things you just regretted. Well, I think that uh, eventually, uh, you know, we, we, the two of us sat down and we're now friends. So apparently we got it resolved. And, uh, and it was basically a misunderstanding. And we just had to sit down and take, you know, and resolve the issue um, and come to terms that there's going to be sometimes that we're not going to agree with each other. You talked um, offline a little bit about one of the roles, you know, less formal roles is sometimes, and this is, while it's less formal, it doesn't fit in any category. Sometimes it's vital if I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm just at wit's end that the senior advisors can serve as a sounding board. Tell me a little bit about that role. Because yeah. I, I think that's really important because we can we, we mm-hmm. just all want to blow up. We were just getting through a pandemic. I mean, come on. I think all of us that have been managers, we've had one of those either bad city council meetings and we're frustrated, uh, maybe a little bit angry, maybe a little bit hurt. Uh, and... You don't want to take that home to your partner. And and, uh, and the second thing is you can't talk to your city council about it because they may have very well been a part of the issue. And you don't want to create a morale problem within your city. You just need somebody for your own mental health on any of us that are senior advisors and and invent. As a matter of fact, last week I was sitting in a meeting with a with a manager, and that's exactly what he needed was somebody to sit to, listen, and he vented. And he after we finished, he said, Thank you. He didn't ask me for advice, he just asked me to listen. And that's a valuable role. So so folks, if you just need to yell at somebody, let me give you Ken's cell phone number. <laughs> well, uh, my cell phone number is published to have within the FCCMA uh, webpage, as well as all the other numbers of my other senior advisors. <laughs> that, and that, that's public service. I want to ask you something else. Um, I'm hearing from a variety of city managers, and I want to get your take on this, that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, when people ran for local office, they did so because they came up through the planning council, they served on the chamber, they served in other capacities in the community, they were community leaders, as it were, Uh, community organizers, they were engaged and involved in the committee, and they rose up to the position where they said, you know, I want to run for public office. I'm hearing more and more that people are coming to the table, coming to the DS, as it were, not from that normal traditional pathway, but from different pathways. And let me just say it like this, from either I watch a lot of MSNBC or I watch a lot of Fox News and I decide, you know, heck, I want to burn it all down or I'm mad as hell and I don't want to take it anymore. So I run for the city council. I use my social media platform, et cetera, and I get on there. And they come to the DS not equipped to govern. You know, we, we, we talk a lot, Ken, on this show about you know, the federal government, let's be honest, is a bit of a train wreck right now. I mean, especially the legislative branch. Uh, they're talking about shutting down once again. 
in local government, you don't have that option to shut down. If you shut down the city of Port Orange, the city of Tallahassee, the city of fill in the blank, things go really bad really fast. No police, no traffic lights, no flushing water. Um, and yet people come to the DS with that mindset because they got all their information from Washington. Any thoughts on that? Is that is that a fair observation? And, and, if, and if so, I would like you to expound upon that a little bit. Well, I think, you know, first, each city is different. And uh, so in some cities that what you described may be exactly what's occurring. What I have found, you know, in working with city councils, and I've done a number of, you know, job placements and things of that working with councils as they've re- as they've recruited new city managers. What I have found is that the majority of council still has that that service mentality at the local government level. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have a political bias or any of that, but at the end of the day, um, they want to do what's best for that city. That's why they ran. Now, they may have other ambitions at some point, but every one of the cities that I've worked in over the last uh, few years, and I've done about six or seven management placements, and every council that I worked in all had that mentality. I want to do what's best for my community. Well, that's, now, with that's, that said, that's hopeful and refreshing, I, and I really appreciate that. Right. Now, let me just, one final thing about that one is um, there's going to be divisions on council. Sure. Okay. And and as a matter of fact, um, as I always put it, uh, you need you need stretchers and you need anchors on city council. Okay, let me explain what they are. That's gonna need to be explained. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, the thing is is that one can take you can uh, create problems by going too fast and one can keep it too slow. But you need to find that balance on council. And um and I think that uh, that's what most city councils want is uh, they want to do what's best. And even putting some of their own political philosophy aside, they've got to they understand that they were elected to by the entire public to serve that public. And, you know, and I wonder, too, as they get on there and they see what's on the agenda, what decisions they have to make, what what keeps the city actually running which is, you know, the garbage gets picked up, the toilet's still flushed, the electricity still comes on, police answer calls, and most of those calls, 99.999%, and well, it's, you know, a, a child slipped and fell, a woman slipped and fell, a parent slipped and fell, a car accident. Uh, it's not what you see on TV every day. Those are the outliers, but when you're running a government, you got to keep those wheels moving. You got to keep things going. And, and that's just really good, boring management at some point. Yeah. Well, okay. I had a, um, and a kind of one of my mentors that used to say, you know, candidates that were running, you know, they would like to point, you know, to all of the flaws of local government. Then when they're elected, they find out that what they thought from the outside is entirely different once they're sitting at the dais. So you know, I'm reminded, I'm reminded the city of Tallahassee is one of those lucky municipalities that also runs a utility repeatedly named, here's the plug for my hometown, 
uh, repeatedly named as one of the most efficient, well-run utilities in America, okay? Mm -hmm. And one of the big issues that came up several years ago was there's a fund that the city uses to leverage buying fuel. And when I tell you it has 50 million, on average, $50 million sitting in this fund, it sounds like a lot. And people were running for office saying, return that belongs to the taxpayers. Well, that $50 million, when a city buys $10 million a month in fuel to keep the lights on for all the operations, suddenly $50 million, A, doesn't sound like a lot. B, is necessary to buy fuel in bulk mm -hmm. and on the prediction market so they can buy it as less, low expense as possible. Uh, and these commission, these people who ran, several of them did get elected, but once they got on, they realized, oh, my gosh. Once they sat down and understood the inner workings of how a utility is really operated, suddenly that $50 million became a non-issue. Um, so hopefully people, I, I, you know, however you campaign, that's great. But once you get on, keep the lights on, keep the, keep the city running. Yeah. It's entirely different once you're sitting on the dais. And let me, hey, and the same thing is when you have, you know, reserves set aside in your general fund or in your utility funds and all of those items. Much of what you're described there, Steve, is exactly why cities have reserves. Uh, and sometimes the number looks very large, but in reality, okay, should you have a disruption of your revenue streams and things like that, that money goes very, very quickly. Oh, yes, uh, it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A good example, when a hurricane hits and you have to dip into your own reserves in order to pay the bills and then wait sometimes several months or even years in order to get reimbursed, uh, you're glad that you had those reserves set aside. And oh, yeah, we've been necessary. talking about emergency operations. And, you know, yeah, you're right. You can you could pay the debris removal company, you know, whatever it is, six million dollars. Uh, you may not get reimbursed from FEMA for two or three years because somebody filled in the form, didn't put the right zip code in and it got rejected and comes back, goes back in cycle. So it may take two, three, four years. We're still distributing money in the panhandle for the Hurricane Michael families. Right. I mean, right. was that four years ago? So, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he's that's a, true. Good, good. Very, very, very good point. Let's let's close with two things, Ken. Let's remind people one more time. Uh, this is uh, former Port Orange City Manager Ken Parker, who is part of the Senior Advisors Group. Ken, give me the give me the elevator speech. What the Senior Advisors do? Hey, well, let me just go go through some of the things that we do. One is that uh, we provide career and employment counseling to our to our members, whether they be Florida City County Management Association members or ICMA members or both. We provide guidance and counsel to our members on ethics issues. And that's, uh, you know, if you've got a concern, you call us and um, we can provide that information. We can either provide information who to call as an ethics advisor or, or uh, maybe if it's a state issue, who to call at the state. We provide assistance to cities and counties that have, um, um, that may be questions about the council manager form of government. And so we're able to come in and make civic presentations or uh, actually presentations to a charter review committee or things of that sort. If they are thinking about uh, either changing from council manager or actually in going to a council manager system, uh, we provide um, assistance to our members in transitions. And we've talked a little bit 
quite a bit about what that looks like mm-hmm. and uh, all of that. We do council orientations. Uh, some of us are um, we're involved in helping cities with strategic planning and goal setting. And the final one that we do uh, for our small cities, the cities below 10,000, is that we actually can come in and help a city uh, council or town council uh, with their management placement service. Um, and so we really focus that particular item on our smaller cities. Um, and so we've been actively involved in that across the state. Those are just some of the services that we can provide. And I've talked about what I think is one that's very valuable to our members is our venting service. So someone <laughs> you can call to and someone that you can call if you've got a question, someone you just need to talk to. And we're there uh, to help you uh, in those particular areas. And um, I think that somebody, somebody you can have a virtual beer with. Mm-hmm. To, that's to, right. To, to just complain. All right. Last question. And this is our sure. standard question we ask every. Are you still in Port Orange, by the way? Yes, I am. I chose so, to so, live in Port Orange. So tell me, um, uh, this is your opportunity to, to, to be the Chamber of Commerce and to promote Port Orange. Tell me something cool about Port Orange that you want other people to know. Okay. Um, there are a lot of things I'd like to tell you about Port Orange, but let me just, I'm going to brag on their city council. Their city council has long-term vision. They, um, a good example is that uh, the city of Port Orange owns about uh, 10,000 acres of property outside the city limits of Port Orange. They it was long-term for their well fields, their water, uh, they thought long-term for water. And uh, just, you know, from the standpoint of looking long-term, they said, we want our city not to have to go back retrofit, not have to worry about our water supply, and we want to be sure that we're doing the right thing. The other part of that is that they're environmentally conscious, and they have been and they've uh, taken action to make sure that that city is environmentally uh, conscious. Uh, and it's just a great place to live, great place to raise your family, great place to uh, come and enjoy. We just had uh, the Port Orange Family Days, which is a, uh, a focus on our family and our friends. And approximately sixty to 100,000 people came and visited our city center complex which the city council 40 years ago said, we want to develop this place uh, that is the community gathering place. And then they told the, um, the designers, don't disrupt the park, don't disrupt where the community gathers. And then when you design and put the buildings inside that complex, remember, this is the community's gathering place. And, and when you had 60 to 100,000 people show up, you understand that's exactly what what has been done at that complex. That's fantastic. And, you know, for a city that is on the intercoastal waterway, being environmentally conscious is not just good for the environment, but it's good for your economy. You know, you're right near you know, some pretty famous beaches. And if they're exploding with algae and all those kind of things, it's really, really difficult yep. 
do to sustain your community, not to mention your quality of life. Well, Ken, I, I, I am deeply appreciative of you being on the show with us. I think this was informative, and I hope a lot of members who hear this will share the word about the senior advisors and know that with a wide variety. Folks, you heard it. You know, I said, what's the elevator speech? We went, we went all the way to the top of the Empire State Building on the elevator ride because of all the things and all the assets that people like Ken Parker, Dan Clayman, former city manager of City of Tallahassee, uh, bring to the table to help you uh, further your career and do good for the for the cities of the state of Florida. Thanks, Ken, for being with us. I really appreciate it. Steve, it's our privilege and pleasure. Thank you for allowing us to talk about the Senior Advisor Program. Folks, this is Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Managers County Management Association. Thank you so much for being with us.